Stand Firm Ministries, Biblical Truth, taught by Dr. Shane Perez. And it's very interesting in an in a age when empires were rising and falling, and you can study history and see that Babylon was around for a very long time. Uh, it wasn't always at the top of the food chain, but it was there, and it would gain in popularity, it would decline in popularity, gain in popularity, but it was there for, for a long time, and it actually was one of the most advanced civilizations in the ancient world. Let's look at a little bit of the history of Babylon. It all started really with Nimrod and the city of Babel and with the Tower of Babel. And you're probably familiar with the story where they built the tower because they wanted to reach the heavens. And that's when God decided to do what? Change their languages. Okay, well, I'm going to make it, y'all are working together, you're working together really good, but for a very bad purpose. So I'm going to put confusion among you by changing your language. I would dare you to research and try to figure out if the Bible is not true, if God did not show up at the Tower of Babel and do that, then explain how did we get so many languages and so many diverse languages? This doesn't make sense. And to the uh, atheists or the non-Bible believers, they really have a problem with that. Like, how do you get something as unique as Chinese and then compare it to the English language? It has nothing similar in common. Yet, for most of the world, people were together and in common places, especially near the beginning. Nobody denies that, but it's very interesting. But that's where the history of Babylon starts around the Tower of Babel, and then you get to Hammurabi's Code. I don't know if you're extremely familiar with Hammurabi's Code, but they actually found this, uh, this huge rock. It's really, uh, I don't know, about five, six feet tall. And what was so neat on it, there was a leader in Babylon, Hammurabi, is he would have his rules and guidelines there. And he was a very different kind of king because what he did, instead of ruling like a dictator, whatever I say goes, that's how a dictator rules. We've seen that in the world. Seen a little bit of it now, glimpses of it, aren't we? Where, where rules are just thrown out the window, whatever I say will go. But Hammurabi, what he did is he made up a set of rules. He got together a set of rules that everybody had to go by. We think, okay, that makes sense because really that's what the, how America was set up. We were not built on dictatorships. We were built on rules and law. The rule of law, that's sort of what that means. It doesn't matter your opinion. It doesn't matter my opinion. It doesn't matter your status. It doesn't matter my status. We all have the same rules we must abide by. It doesn't matter who you are. Uh, that was all first started. Or we, the first uh, example we have in, in history was Hammurabi. It's very interesting. We had a tower at Babel, uh, I think about 2000 B.C., and about 1,000 years later, we have Hammurabi's Code, and then almost about 700 to 1,000 years later, then we're up to Nebuchadnezzar. Now, this is a time that uh, Jeremiah was there. Now, one thing about Nebuchadnezzar and his time is uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. We haven't talked about it much, but in Daniel chapter 2, he had a dream of a statue. And what was so neat about that statue is it was sort of prophecy there. He explained that this was all the great empires that will ever exist. And what God said, the one that is here now, Babylon, that is the greatest empire. That is represented by a head of gold. The strongest, greatest empire, according to God, that will ever exist on earth was Babylon. 
And this is where Jeremiah was at. Jeremiah was there before Nebuchadnezzar took over Israel, and then he was there afterwards. Now, after Jeremiah, after Nebuchadnezzar had taken over Israel, then Jeremiah had a prophecy concerning Babylon. And we're just going to actually, there's quite a bit in Jeremiah about Babylon near the end here, but we're just going to just pick out a few verses, about 12 of them. It's in Jeremiah chapter 51. We're going to be looking at verses 45 through 57. Come out of her, my people. Run for your lives. Run from the fierce anger of the Lord. Do not lose heart or be afraid when rumors are heard in the land. One rumor comes this year, another the next. Rumors of violence in the land and the ruler against ruler. For the time will surely come when I will punish the idols of Babylon. Her whole land will be disgraced and her slain will all lie fallen within her. Then heaven and earth and all that is in them will shout for joy over Babylon. For out of the north the shores will attack her, declares the Lord. Babylon must fall because of Israel slain, just as the slain in all the earth have fallen because of Babylon. You who have escaped the sword, leave and do not linger. Remember the Lord in a distant land and think on Jerusalem. We are disgraced, for we have been insulted, and shame covers our faces because foreigners have entered the holy places of the Lord's house. But days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish her idols, and throughout her land the wounded will groan. Even if Babylon reaches the sky and fortifies her lofty stronghold, I will send destroyers against her, declares the Lord. The sound of a cry comes from Babylon, the sound of great destruction from the land of the Babylonians. The Lord will destroy Babylon. He will silence her noisy din. Waves of enemies will rage like great waters. The roar of their voices will resound. A destroyer will come against Babylon. Her warriors will be captured and their bows will be broken. For the Lord is a God of retribution, I will repay in full. I will make your officials and wise men drunk, her governors, officials, and warriors as well. They will sleep forever and not awake, declares a king whose name is the Lord Almighty. So we understand that Babylon was a great empire, probably the greatest. There is the greatest as probably ever to exist. And here they are, they took over Israel. And then Jeremiah has a prophetic word from God foretelling the destruction of Babylon. And we see the destruction of Babylon takes place throughout history with the Medes and the Persians. But as you read the scriptures, you see that Babylon does not stop necessarily being talked about in the Old Testament. Then it's talked about in the New Testament. And it's referenced over and over again, and it's referenced to being something more dark and sinister. Almost like Babylon is a, rep a representation of opposition against God. And we can go very quickly. Babylon is described in Revelation in four different ways, each with a different form of rebellion against God. Now, I won't read all the verses here, but in reference to it, we'll see in Revelations 14.8, it's made in reference to the worship of the Antichrist. In Revelation 16, sort of made in reference to the city or cities of the world, sort of in telling the whole world global government, the one world government system that is foretold. In Revelation chapter 17, it's described as representing the false religions, just all the false religions. Then in Revelation 18, it's referred to as a great city, sort of referring to the global commerce, the economic portion. 
In other words, you see, Babylon is more like an essence of something. It's not just referred to as a place anymore. It's almost referred to as these things that are going to be in opposition against God. Very similar, when I studied this this week, it made me think of the Antichrist. In 1 John 4, 2, where it says, By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, that is the spirit of the Antichrist. But then this last part is very interesting. Of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. I wish we would relate and see things more from a spiritual pair of glasses where we see things more from a spiritual nature. And see that things are, are pretty black and white. They're either godly or they're of the spirit of Babylon, the spirit of Antichrist. But most times we don't associate that. For us, it's all a lot of times just mixed in in a gray area. But in actuality, you see when God looks at things, he looks at the spirit of things. That's why when he even talks about sins that you do and do not commit, he doesn't just stay with the actions. He doesn't just say, uh, do not commit adultery or do not commit murder. But he takes it, uh, Jesus was very clear. He said, don't even think about these things. Don't even lust. Don't even have hatred in your heart. Because he knew those things led to the action. So what Jesus would point out is those thoughts beforehand are just as evil as the actions. Won't have the same consequences. But in God's eyes, are just as evil. But it's sad to say, I don't think we view it like that. We sort of view it, well, I can think all those things and maybe even do some things, but as long as I, I don't get caught, or maybe if I don't do the things, I can still dwell in that world in my thoughts. And God looks on it and says, no, that's the spirit of, that's the Babylonian spirit. That's the Antichrist spirit. That's the anti-God spirit. And don't go there because it only leads to bad things. And you can go through life and maybe you're very disciplined and you never, it never leads to bad actions. But what happens is it messes with your heart. I believe we see the spirit of Antichrist and the essence of the spirit of the Babylonian spirit all around us today. But I just saw this uh, thing was yesterday. Hey, bringing things up negative every week. But it's just the, the world that we live in. The headline, North Dakota School Board ends reciting the Pledge of Allegiance because of the words under God. Does that shock you? It should not shock you. Why? Because our schools, our public schools, have been anti-God for a very long time. They took prayer out. You can't say God. You can't say Jesus Christ. You can't witness. You can't do all these things. I don't even know if they allow a Bible on campus anymore. I don't know if it's in all schools, but I know some of the schools that I was uh, attending, they took out the Bibles. You couldn't even have a Bible in the school, like in the library or so forth. A teacher can have a Bible on their desk. I did want to read uh, a quote of one of the, the school board members. Now, this is for their school board meeting. But guess what the next step is? It'll be taken out of the schools because it's the spirit behind it. It's the anti-God, anti-Christian mentality and spirit that's there. That's the problem. 
And we think of these little things like this, oh, we're losing the battle, we're losing the battle. No, we lost the battle a long time ago, honestly, when they justified taking prayer out of school. Because what you're saying there is God's not welcome there, so eventually they'll take everything that has any semblance to it. And we see that even in our own nation. Take down every cross. I used to show articles all the time where they're taking another cross down. There's a Vietnam veteran memorial, and they had a cross there, so they got to take that one down and take that one down. I want you to read the mentality and the excuses that you hear. Uh, Fargo school member, uh, school board member Seth Holden said, given that the word God in the text of the Pledge of Allegiance is capitalized, the text is clearly referring to the Judeo-Christian God, Judeo-Christian God, and therefore it does not include any other faith such as Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, all of which are practiced by our staff and students at Fargo Public Schools. Holden claimed that saying the Pledge of Allegiance is a non-inclusionary act. Holden added the statement that we are one nation under God is a Judeo-Christian God is simply an untrue statement. We are one nation under many or no God. That is the Babylonian spirit that we see. That's the Antichrist spirit that we see. Really, what I want to give you all that information, but this is what I really want to leave you with. The first verse I read to you, verse 45, God was telling the people of, of Judah, Come out of her, my people. Run for your lives. Run from the fierce anger of the Lord. Telling them to flee. And I believe God wants us to flee. He wanted them to flee physically. But he wants us to flee, I believe, spiritually. In two ways. One is a distinct difference in our thinking. We got a problem if we're thinking the same way the world thinks. Did you hear me? We have a problem if we think the same way the world thinks. But we're in this environment we live in. We live every day and we just think, well, if, if I don't agree with everybody else, then something's wrong with me. Well, I'm an oddball. Everybody is so much smarter and, and better, and they know what they're doing, and, and they're such a better person than I am. I need to do what they're doing. So we find ourselves compromising in our thinking. We don't want to stand out. We don't want people to think we're weird. Your thinking should be weird compared to the world. Jeremiah's thinking was weird. They had idols in the temple, and Jeremiah's telling them to get them out, and they're all going to be destroyed. They laughed at him. You're a lunatic. God's never going to destroy his temple. He's not going to let some evil pagan nation like Babylon come in and destroy his house of worship. No way God's going to do that. That was their thinking. And that was the majority of people thinking. And Jeremiah shows up. He was thinking differently. He had a relationship with God. God was using him as a vessel. But the people wouldn't listen. We shouldn't be getting along so good with the world that we're in. I've been uh, ministering to young people for many years, whether it's teenagers or young adults. And I've been asked a question about it many times. Usually it's from a girl who comes to me and talks to me, and she's asking, well, uh, I'm dating this boy, and it's not necessarily Christian. Is that a bad thing? And I can get into the... Uh, different passages the Bible would say on don't be unequally yoked and, and things of that nature. But really, I feel like just 
know, shaking them and waking them up. It's like, what do you have in common with this person who's a non-Christian? Is your faith so shallow that you can just spend all this time with a non-believer and y'all just get along great? They don't have any difference of opinion or different thoughts on things to do or, or not to do. You shouldn't be so like-minded with the people of the world. We need to think differently. Our thinking should be completely different. And if your thinking is not different, which well, is a process of sort of cleansing your mind, if your thinking is not different, here's a cleaning agent right here. It's like a filter. You spend time reading the Bible, studying the Bible, meditating on the Bible. It's amazing what it does to your thinking. And I don't mean just do it once or, or do it once a week for five minutes. You do it as much as you need to. Many times in my life where I've gone through phases, I had to spend a lot of time in there battling things in my mind and my thinking was not right. And I look in the mirror and I hated what I saw. And I would also, I would pray so often, God, I want to hate evil. Help me to see evil as evil and help me to hate it. Because a lot of times for me, I would see evil. It's like, oh, wow, that looks attractive. I think I'll go over and try that. And I'm, and I'm drawn to it. And I desire that. Now, well, I know it doesn't match up with the Bible, but it matches up with what I want. But then you get in the Word. And you stay in the Word. And you stay in the word. And you stay in the word. And it's amazing because you can't change yourself. But God can change you. And it's amazing. I can give you experience after experience where God will get me in a situation where it will force me to see things differently. Honestly, a lot of it has been done through uh, counseling other people. Where something that I looked at and it's like, well, that's not too bad. It's kind of fun or whatever. And then I'd counsel somebody and I'd leave that counseling session and just looking at it, wow, that is just evil. You've got to stay so far away from that. But it all begins with our thinking. Our thinking needs to be different. We don't need to have the Babylonian thinking, the Antichrist thinking. There needs to be a distinct difference in our thinking, but there also needs to be, which will also be led to by our thinking, is we need distinct difference in our actions. We need to be living differently than what the world's living. But it's so crazy. If all the crazy things going on in the world, you just see Christians, we're just doing what everybody else does. Every now and then somebody will pop up and do something a little different and we just see them get persecuted and get criticized and condemned. We're like, wow, that person's brave, but it doesn't change, it doesn't change us too much. And we look around, well, how come no other churches or, or no other preachers or, or anybody, how come nobody else is doing it? Standing up against these things. And even as Christians, some of y'all think, well, if my pastor's not standing up against it, maybe I don't need to either. No, you need to set an example, even for your pastor. Have, be distinct, have a distinct difference in your actions. Your life should look different than the pagan. Your life should look different than the atheist in your thinking and in your, in your actions. And my call to you this morning is to be different. Run from her. Look at Babylon. See how it's mentioned in the Bible. See how it's mentioned throughout history. There's a spirit there. There's an essence there. And one thing about it is God's wrath and his anger pours out on that. We have this false idea. Well, I said a prayer, so I'm good the rest of my life. 
No, you follow God and you're good the rest of your life. You say a prayer and you live in the world, I have a feeling God's judgment is going to be on you as well. You have a decision to make. Are you going to be sold out to Jesus Christ or are you just going to go through the religious motions? The nation of Judah during Jeremiah's time, I've got to keep emphasizing this, they still did their sacrifices. They still went to the temple. You might have stopped by some and bowed at some pagan temples or pagan idols on the way, but they still went through their religious motions. I feel like as a nation, a church in America as a whole is not being sold out for God. We're just going through the motions. We still have the appearance of being religious, the appearance of having a relationship with God, but our thinking and our action is just the same. We're very comfortable in Babylon. We fit right in when that should not be the case. Dr. Shane Perez hopes this lesson encourages you and equips you to minister to others with your walk as a Christian. We would love to hear from you. Drop us an email at Ministries at yahoo.com.